0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another wonderful episode of Let's Talk Nigeria Politics. Today we are here with a wonderful individual, but before I introduce our guest, I am not here alone, you know we we never fly solo, I'm here with the one and only Nii. So Nii, do you want to say something to the house?
1: Yeah everyone, thank you very much for another episode on Dacurates and we have a very very interesting and um, wonderful guest today. So very, very happy that we have him here and looking forward to the conversation as it goes. And I'm hoping that everyone will enjoy it also like we always do.
0: Awesome, thank you so much. Uh, Without wasting much time, I'm going to just read about person's profile before I even say the person's name. Um, So it's a man, and someone who has actually been in Nigerian space for many, 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 I'm using many a lot, but many, many years. He knows a lot about the topic we are discussing today, um, the role of integrity and ethics in Nigeria's governance and service delivery. So just about the person we are talking about, the person co-founded the Convention on Business Integrity in 1997, He's an executive director of the Convention on Business Integrity and also served as a consultant on CBI projects. This man has served as a senior advisor to the United Nations Global Compact on the 10th Principle Anti-Corruption and consultant to the Interagency Task Team of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. Thanks with the responsibility of developing a national trust company bad corruption. The way I'm reading it, it seems like the person is a very big person. Yes, the person is a very big person. So I have to do justice by reading it so But let's just say the person has worked with organizations as World Bank, DFID, UNDP, UN Global Impact, HPF, and many others. Without much to do, let me, a drum roll from the audience, please welcome Mr. Soji Apampa. Whoop, whoop, whoop.
2: Wow. What an intro. <laughs> well, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm here. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. sir. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Um, so without wasting much time, we're talking about the role of ethics, integrity and ethics in Nigerian governments and service delivery. Let's start with the main thing that every Nigerian wants to know about. What is corruption or what would you say corruption is?
1: Wait hold on Cory I think um yes you've done your introduction but I think Mr Pampa might also want to give himself a brief about himself also like he was about to do before we started this episode so we'd like you to do that first sorry to cut in but just from your own end we'd like you to No that's fine awesome that's, that's...
2: <laughs> I, I'm I'm a, let me introduce myself as a pilgrim um I'm I'm on a journey in search of the good society and I'm finding myself doing lots of things and reinventing myself along the way so I started life as a civil and structural engineer I've had a career in business and computing Uh, in business and computing uh, yes I, I was the managing director of SAP the German software company I was the MD for the Nigeria office uh between 2004 and 2007 um i've also i also got involved in governance and finance actually did a master's in governance and finance i did a master's in governance and finance uh, thereafter so um yeah but everything i've done in life seems to contribute towards that journey and to equip me in that direction so I'm I'm still on that quest looking for that better society that I would like Nigeria to be.
1: Okay. To. <laughs> That's a very very interesting and um if I if I use the cho- wrong choice of words please correct me for compelling introduction as a pilgrim on a journey I'm, I I mean With your pedigree and everything that you've done, I wouldn't even say you're on a journey. I would say you have pretty much made a pathway for others to follow. But I like that that introduction to say that you're on a journey. Life doesn't end, really. And um, it's a good thing that you're on this journey. We're also on this journey with you and we're all here to learn many things. Um, before, I, Koredi um, was speaking about something, and you know we talked about the, the topic, this topic is talking about integrity and just how people in the public space find that. So based on your understanding, you could use dictionary meaning, or just based on what you've seen, how would you define corruption?
2: Okay. Let me put it very simply, and then let me go a bit technical. Simply adulteration is corruption. Simply decay is corruption. So when you leave a loaf of bread on a table and you go away for a few days, you come back and it's got mildew all over it or fungus, it's corrupted. Or somebody pours ink in your clear water, they've corrupted it. So what's the technical definition that we give it at the Convention on Business Integrity? Two definitions. The first one comes from observing the police. The police will take a three-lane highway and turn it into a single lane in order to be able to extract a toll from you. So corruption is the use of or the attempt to create or use a bottleneck in any system for private profit or personal gain. That is corruption. The second is what you will find that you get into an office and the legal or right process can be subverted if you are ready to pay the price. So that gives me the second definition of corruption in Nigeria based on our observations. That corruption is the perversion of or the attempt to pervert the legal or right process within an entity for private profit or personal gain. That is corruption. So just going by the way people do it, the messenger uh, will will make your file appear or disappear in order to be able to create his own bottleneck. The boss will use the signatures or use his intray. The intray can be as tall as two feet. And your file, the position in that two feet, depends on whether you are paying or you are not paying. Or you find that something is supposed to go a certain way for you to be eligible. But somebody who's not eligible is on the queue with you. And you wonder how they got there. Yep, they were able to pervert the legal or the right way of doing it. For me, that is corruption in Nigeria. But in the end, what it does, it adulterates the process, adulterates systems, or it decays what is the right way of doing things. It forces that decay and things just go from bad to worse. That is corruption.
1: Uh, (laughs) I, I was muted, but as much as I was learning a lot from your definitions of corruption, I was also laughing in the background because you explained corruption in a way that is relatable to people, to everyone. I think, yes, ink dropping into your water is corruption. Your loaf of bread being left out and mildew is on it is corruption. That just shows the depths it, that corruption, as much as we might think is deeper, it's actually very, very easy to explain. And I think a lot of people try to give rational reasons as to why systems are corrupt or places are corrupt. But then your definition just kind of said, hey, this is what it is. It's as simple as ABC or one, two, three. This is what corruption is. Thank you so much. I hope our listeners are getting a lot of things out of this and understanding what corruption is how and how it affects every one of us. As a follow-up to that, um, and also kind of backtracking to what I just said, is when you view from your experience and how you've dealt with different systems, people talk about corruption as a moral or a survival issue. What are your views on this? Do you think it's a moral thing? Do you think it's a survival thing, or do you think it's even bigger than it than than
2: that? Thank you for saying maybe it's even bigger than that because it's even bigger than that. From our studies, we've seen that there are five, five different um uh, manifestations of corruption in Nigeria. five. Number one, some people are just rebels in Nigeria. They hate to be told what to do. They don't care about what is the right order in any system. They just do what they like. They are rebels and they're corrupt because they're rebels and they will use any corrupt means to get ahead. They're rebels. So it's not because um, they don't understand morality or because they want to survive. They're just rebels. The second group are opportunists. They don't care what is going on. They're out to make a buck. Once they can see a loophole anywhere that they can exploit for personal profit or private gain, they're going for it. They're going for it. And they, for me, are the opportunists. And it's not a survival issue. It's not a moral issue to them. It's just opportunity that you'll be stupid not to do it. That is the way they think. The third group are your survivalists. They say, look, if, if I can't beat them, I have to join them. Otherwise, my business will collapse. Or otherwise, I can't feed my family. Yeah, those are the ones who believe it's a survival issue. But you know, they're different from the rebels, different from the opportunists. They think that they are doing what is a semi moral thing that they have an obligation to themselves to survive so they believe that they're survivalists but then you have moralists as well people who see it purely as a moral issue they pontificate on the issue from morning till night and never do anything about it they are the first to say ah see that person this one is cheating ah this other have you seen that headline They will talk about it. They will share stories, but they never get up to do anything. The smallest group in our society are the principled. Those who see corruption for what it is and are ready to take their swords out and fight corruption. Very few. So you you need to understand that the society is not caught up into uh, those who believe it's a moral thing uh, to, to, to do the right thing or those who see it as a survival issue, there's at least many shades. And for me, there are at least five shades. Rebels, opportunists, survivalists, moralists, and principled people.
0: Wow. wow! Well, I'm sure the listeners, the audience, actually having a big notepad and writing that in a number, number of these things. Um, so I think Maybe we'll ask the audience. At the end of this episode, just put in the comment section what group you fall under. If you're a rebel, <laughs> you might be in trouble. But go, moving on to the next question quickly. I want to ask, Nigeria has been um, independent for a number of years. What do you think has caused the surge in corruption
2: in our country? Hmm. You know, I-, I believe that when people have a lot of fear and apathy and doubts in whether or not our collective value system can help them get ahead. So when people fear that doing the right thing can help them get ahead, they doubt it because of the environment and everything else. Then after a while, those people start to allow their standards to be eroded that how can you uphold standards when everything around you appears bleak? Everyone around you seems to be doing the wrong thing. So you fear that you will suffer if you don't join them. But what that does is that corruption and impunity are not prevented by people in the public. And therefore, a social tolerance Corruption starts to brew. So people see corruption and they shrug that, well, what can I do? Even I have to cut corners from time to time. So nobody is really ready to deal with the issue. So the resolve to uphold formal and social controls against corruption becomes very weak. And because it is weak, then who is going to apply any sanctions? To those who are doing the wrong thing when it is tolerable, you know, society doesn't really, you know, it's not that deep is what society would tell you that look, yes, it's happening, but man me, it's not that deep, we have to survive, we have to eat, you know, yes, they can tell you what they like in church or in the mosque, but man me, you still have to survive, and so on. So Many more people then lose faith in due process. They lose faith in due process, which is why the first thing young people ask you is that do you have any connections in XYZ? Do you know anybody here? Because they don't believe anymore that due process can get them anywhere. Therefore, some people take on due advantage. And it appears that when they take undue advantage, there are no consequences. So I hope you have seen that it is easy for opportunists to flourish. It is easy for survivalists to justify their position. Moralists cannot justify their position. They can only talk and shout and so on, but nothing is changing as a result of their actions. So what happens in society? Perverse incentives then multiply. That it is the person You know, if you're driving your car, everybody, there was a, there's a traffic jam and everybody's neatly on a line until that crazy person gets out of the line and forms a second line. Immediately others follow and a third line begins, a fourth line, until everything is now totally blocked. Then those who are originally law abiding on their queue now look like the ones who are breaking the law they now look, because they are the ones on the fringes. So when you see all of that and people feel it is futile, they get even more apathetic about doing anything. Then what difference will it make? And this vicious cycle helps us to institutionalize a culture of corruption. So over the years, we keep seeing these big headlines and we have learned that he who chops alone dies alone that those who chop and share they don't get beaten up like those who chop alone so people have learned that it's not whether you chop or not it's how you chop so many people are are ready and they say when i get there too i'm going to make sure that i make my own millions and my billions so It is these things that has caused a surge in corruption. Finally, on that issue, also because of the approach we have had to corruption. Now, Nigeria, our approach in Nigeria is that we say the faucet is broken. The pipe is leaking. Water is gushing out. Nigeria will station a man beside that faucet, a man holding a blala everybody, all Nigerians would then start coming towards that faucet with their buckets. He would chase some people to the left. The people on the right will quickly fetch. Then he will run back and chase the people on the right. The people on the left, too, will quickly fetch. And that has been our approach to fighting corruption. We don't do what makes sense. Common sense says, change the faucet. Fix the pipe. Make sure it no longer leaks. If there's no leakage, people will be saying, ah, it's not leaking anymore. They'll go home with their empty bowls. But so long as it is leaking and your own friends can continue to fetch while you're chasing other people with the blala, the pressure will continue. And that's why the surge continues towards corruption. (sighs) Wow. Wow.
1: (laughs) I think we planned it well. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot. Um, that, that, was, that was a lot. I know Koredi has a follow-up question, but I just wanted to just add into this. You made a point about how people talk about, oh, when they get there, they would also do this, but they will try to justify. And that's where you see the elements of the opportunist. Or I mean, I, I, I want to believe that... I'm 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 of a much younger generation, and I hear what people in my generation say about getting into elected office. Like, oh, I would steal, but I would work. I would, and it's it makes you cringe that it 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 has kind of made um corruption kind of seem like it's a cultural thing like it's integrated into our culture and, and that's what we don't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we don't want to happen. And uh, But yeah, it's a lot. We're, we're still... Sorry, Corey. Can go ahead with your next question.
0: No, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm enjoying the... It's The beautiful thing about this episode is not just the Q&A. It's flowing of ideas. We are also learning, and I'm sure the audience is also learning, something very mind-blowing about this cultural thing because what you said is ingrained in our minds, saying... You shall chop. It's where you walk that you chop. That's where they call it workshop. workshop. I've heard so many saying, yeah, like when you're going to the airports, you have to declare. And we know all we, if you, depends on who you are, you can say what declaring is. It's different definitions, but it's never on a good basis. But I want to talk about the cultural thing of corruption. So my follow-up question is based off a saying by the, the new... SA, NSA head and former EFCC chairman, Nuhu Ribadu, he said, when you fight corruption, corruption fights back. So, if it's a cultural thing, what is the point of fighting corruption? There's a saying that goes, culture eats strategy for breakfast. If it is our culture to be this corrupt, what's the point of fighting it or even having it? Why don't we just live with our new culture? What would you say to that?
2: The first thing is that it's it's a lazy way of thinking to say when you fight corruption, it fights back. There's a corollary. If you don't fight corruption, what happens? If you don't fight corruption, corruption becomes a demon and it possesses everyone. That's what happens. So yes, if you fight corruption, it fights back. But if you don't fight corruption, it becomes a demon and it possesses everyone. You are between the devil and the deep blue sea. You take your choice. What kind of society will you have, therefore, if you don't fight corruption? At least if you fight it, you have a chance of defeating it. Even if it fights back, you fight back again. You've kept yourself whole and without adulteration. But if you don't fight it and it becomes a demon, it will possess you and possess everyone around you. And God help you then.
1: Okay, so sorry about that. So, yes, like you said, um, if you don't fight it, so that means we just have to fight.
2: <laughs> there's no you there's just no way to wait. fight it, even if it fights you
1: back. Even if he fights you back. But then you also... you. I'm sure you've seen a lot of things in your line of work where people have tried to fight corruption. I would even use... Um, My wife and I were watching a movie Okay, let, let, let me interrupt
2: you. Let me interrupt oh, you.
1: Please. Yes, go ahead, sir,
2: please. <laughs> they said there's a mad dog on the street. If you try to whip it and you try to catch it, it will try to bite you. Does that mean you shouldn't try and catch it? because it's a rabies dog. If you do not catch it, it's going to spread rabies. Mm. But if you try to catch it, you're in danger of being bitten. So just telling it one side doesn't make sense. That, oh, if you go after a mad dog, it will turn around and try and bite you. Yes, duh. What else will it do? (laughs) Yeah, you have to come equipped. It's going to try to do that. But if you don't catch that rabid dog, it's going to spread rabies to people. So you choose.
1: I I, I think your analogies helps a great deal in understanding things. Yes, people might say, oh, but it's not um, apples to apples or oranges to oranges. But the simplicity of how you've described it talking about a rabid dog or other system it's kind of showing you that hey if you don't try something this thing is going to continue to spread all this oh if I if I don't if I'm not as corrupt as the 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 previous man corruption is still thriving so if you don't do anything to fight it it's just going to continue and I think the way you've you've said it is what it is. You just have to fight it. No matter what it does to you. If he attacks you you go back you know you go back you reinforce how do we fight this beast? And then you bring new tactics or even fight it in a way that it do not. If I'm using this rabid dog example is how will this rabid dog not see me coming that I'm coming to fight it? Can I do it alone? No. Do I need to get people to support me to do it? Yes. And you just have to find different tactics. So thank you very much for that. Good. Um, so let me
2: give you one. Before yes. people think that it's just grammar that we're blowing, so, yeah. we at c b i we don't fight corruption. We build okay. integrity. Oh. We do not fight corruption. We leave fighting corruption to the government. So instead, we build integrity systems. I hope that is not confusing
1: um. It's it's not confusing. I think she please
0: help us explain more so that for our audience. Okay. What do you my, mean by you
1: build? My okay. my fear my fear in this is that well it's not a fear it's kind of like it can bring about more questions which I think is the essence of what we're talking about. But please go ahead and explain to us how you build integrity.
2: Okay. So we've been working for a number of years in the maritime sector. And recently, we gained a lot of success. We were able to reduce the cases of demands for large unreceipted cash payments from ship captains, reduced from 266 cases in 2019 to less than 50 last year. And it fell gradually. 2020 was 128 cases, 2021 was 84 cases, it kept falling. Now, how was that achieved? We worked for several years with government counterparts on standard operating procedures. We worked on a grievance reporting mechanism. So that if anybody did not follow the standard operating procedure, what can the ship captains do? They can actually report And if they report, is there an ombudsman, ombudsperson, which is Shippers Council in Nigeria, can they escalate the issue? Can they get it resolved? So how do we maintain our own integrity? We're not fighting the corrupt officials. That's the job for government. And as they created these systems, it got harder and harder to hide the corruption. It was easier and easier for the private sector to point out when standard processes were not being followed. Government was more and more determined to ensure that you do not flout the processes and get away with it. And after a while, it created itself. It's now called globally the Nigerian miracle. We actually won an award at the Basel Institute on Governance last year. Outstanding achievement in collective action, in the fight against corruption, with Nigeria being the global best example, simply because we built integrity. We don't have the power to fight corruption. So you have to look at the problem differently, like you are saying, in order to be able to deal with that thing, and it can't fight you back. It can't fight you back.
1: Well, well understood. Anyway, well understood. Um, I'm not, all right. So, um, I have this question, and no is problem. it it might be multifaceted. You might see it as I see it as that way. You might simplify it as you've been doing. Is there a difference between ethics, integrity, and morals?
2: Well, yes, there is. Okay. Morals refer to your set of beliefs about what is right and what is wrong. So the principles around what is right and what is wrong. Ethics, on the other hand, is is all about applying your, your morals to control your behavior. So, yes, you have your understanding and your beliefs of what is right and what is wrong. But in Nigeria, many people don't go beyond that. They just, it just stays as a moral. And therefore, it doesn't affect the way people behave. So you have many churches, many mosques, but it doesn't affect their ethics. Ethics is all about whether or not those morals constrain your behavior. So if they do not constrain your behavior, they're not really your ethics. They're just morals that you know about. Now, integrity, on the other hand, is the consistent living up to your ethical values. If you do it consistently, then you will preserve yourself. That is the energy needed to save yourself from adulteration. Of what you believe to be right or wrong the energy required to stop yourself from decaying in what you believe to be right or wrong so in that sense there's a difference between morals ethics and integrity where morals are just that a set of beliefs but ethics requires application but integrity requires consistent application over time. However, this is where they're all the same. Doing the right things and doing things right is also morality. Doing the right things and doing things right is also ethics. Doing the right things and doing things right is also integrity. The difference is that With ethics, doing the right things and doing things right, uh, applying it to yourself is what makes it ethical. And when you apply it to yourself and stick with it over time is what leads you to integrity. (laughs) So it's like three concentric rings with morals being in the middle, then ethics, and then integrity being in the outer ring.
1: Yeah. Like like, like I said, like I've been learning is you have a maybe people have told you, but I've noticed that you have a way of breaking things down and simplifying them. And I think that's one big thing that I'm taking away from this call and appreciating on it. And I also like how (laughs) I I think also working in the space you have been working, you understand how Nigeria is a different beast, and it's a different animal, so to say. So you always say in Nigeria, in Nigeria, saying that, um, not this is not an all size fits all situation, but in Nigeria, this is how we experience it. And it also brings me to Nigeria, also, because you talked about how there's this synergy between all three of them: morals in between, ethics on one side, integrity on one side. In Nigeria, from from your from your work, have you, what have you understood to be the ethics and morals in Nigeria? What are our ideologies? And which ones do we need to, if I if I may say, do away with? And which new ones do we need to include? Because maybe you might see that there's some things that we believe in, there's some morals that we believe in. I can give you one moral. You might disagree with me on this, and I'll be glad to hear your how you view it. I feel like morally, it's good to ascribe respect to people who are older and um, old, and older person. You give them the respect that they need. You don't. There's a common saying, or not common saying. You don't call your elders liars and everything. However, if I see somebody who is older than me as a corrupt individual, somebody who is doing wrong, and I cannot call he or she out, or if I call them out, then I am wrong morally. Me personally, I don't believe that. I feel like if you are wrong, um, if you're an older person and you're wrong, I should be able to call you out, quote and unquote, respectfully and say what you're doing is wrong and you should stop doing what you're doing. But what we find is that when you talk to older people and you point them out to say what you're doing is wrong, they're telling you that you are um, you you're not you're not a good person or you're not you're morally corrupt, so to say. So, uh, the, my view on this is: it good or is it bad? Is it wrong or right? And also, what have you seen that we have in our system the good morals or that we have or the morals that we need to include into our society? I think I might have asked too many questions.
2: Yeah, I, I'll try to unpack them because I think it's really um, exciting to come back to this uh, Sorosoke philosophy. Um, you know, whether it is good to Sorosoke when yeah. your your elders are involved or not. But in 2020, when Nigeria turned 60, I believe, um, we... a a set of principles, core values, were defined for the country and signed into policy by the Buhari administration. It's called the National Ethics and Integrity Policy. It was put together by the Office of the Secretary to the Government of the Federation, ICPC, and the National Orientation Agency. It has seven principles human dignity, voice, and participation. So voice and participation is a national value, which gives you the right to express an opinion and influence a decision while participation is the act of taking part in any activity. So patriotism also means love for one's country and willingness to defend it. So it's your patriotic duty to speak up against what is damaging society. Personal responsibility, integrity, national unity, professionalism. Those are the seven core values. Now, let me quickly rush to the matter that you raised about how do you address your elder. Now, in Yoruba tradition, the same Yorubas who tell you, ah, you have to be uh, uh respectful to your elders yorubas know how to give it to their elders they start with totoshe owe," that um uh, as you elders have said in your in your proverbs and then the young person will cite a proverb that shows that the older person has erred so we've always had the ability to speak up it is, it is bullying. If anybody told you that in our society, you are, not, uh, you are not able to speak up to elders, there are ways in which you speak up to your elders and you speak up to them. It's, it's not, you don't need to be abusive or anything when speaking to an elder, but you will use the same words that the elders use. And that is how young people deal with the elder. That uh, says, but you are the same ones who taught us from the start that we should not steal. You are the same one who taught us that the definition of stealing is taking what doesn't belong to you. Sir, in this your exalted office, how does the money of the public belong to you, sir? I will challenge anybody, doesn't matter how much gray hair or how old they are, You can. So I think it's a fallacy to say that we don't have it in our values. And as I, I, I mentioned to you just now, one of our national values is our voice and participation is a national value, and it is supported by our constitution. We have a right to speak. Patriotism is also a right, it is actually expected of us from the constitution and human dignity so you don't put me down because i spoke what is right so i i think there are perceptions that we have and perhaps we need a national conversation around these things so people are more at ease um, on on how to deal with these issues in society generally
0: another wow well moment if you ask me what do you think
1: when when you when you just talked about having a national conversation that's I think sure. there's a lot of yeah. yes there's a lot of things that um we don't understand as a people and I think that's one of the big things about what Dakuret is doing though it's growing and new is trying to make people understand that hey there are many things that you've been that conversations have not been had on the national level, but you should be involved. Well, if, it's in, if it's in policy, if it's in governance, if it's in politics, you should be there, you should understand it. So, and we're in such an amazing and beautiful age, the age of social media where information can travel far and wide. So um uh, if you have, if you want to engage people of different generations and different capacities on a national conversation about, you know, just um, topics like this, I will be more than happy to <laughs> go along with this and help you with that. I'll be more than happy with, because it's it's one area of passion that, and I think Dakurit is very, very passionate about.
0: Yes, yes. yes. Oh, wow. Um, I am trying to see how I can see ask the next question because I'm expecting another loaded answer. Um, so mm-hmm. I really want to talk about um CBI, uh, the role it has played in Nigeria over the years. So in 1997, um, I think there was at the Muzon Center you know the Business Integrity Convention. Um, we talked who was I believe was the Cadbury MD at that time. I was, was the chairman, chairman of the day.
2: Chairman yes, he was of...
0: chairman. Yeah, was the chairman of the day. He was in charge of Cadbury, yes. So I it wanted was to know... He chairman of
2: Cadbury at the time, yeah.
0: Oh, yes, yes. Chairman of Cadbury. So yes. I want to know, since for 26 years now, what do you think um, the role of, in helping to foster good governance in Nigeria?
2: Okay. <clears throat> For many years, people who are activists and want to deal with corruption in Nigeria, they just look to governments and they look to not just any government, federal government and shout, you are a thief, it's you. Forgetting that there's state governors as well, that there's local government and that there are leaders in parastatals. They forget that a lot of the ways in which the money disappears is through procurement and that it is not government officials who are the ones bidding for the procurement too. it's private sector is business like you and i it's business people who bid for these things and when you are hiring people into government or into business you are taking them from society so Because the corruption is systemic, if you squeeze only government, it will pop out in business or society. If you squeeze only society, it will pop out in business or government. Or you squeeze only business, it will pop out in government and society. Therefore, a holistic solution must include business. It must include business. And I'm happy to say, um 2010 to 2014 we got an opportunity to develop a corporate governance rating system for the Nigerian Stock Exchange which then became part of SEC rules so between 2014 and last year we um not only did we develop we also ran the corporate governance rating system at the stock exchange without which you cannot get listed on the premium board of the Nigerian Stock Exchange. That's part of the work that we have done over that 26 years. But it was a response to the collapse of the equities market following the global financial crisis, 2009, 2010. So we were able to introduce that in order to try and rebuild some confidence in the markets. So it's very important that there's integrity in business as it's important to have integrity in government. So it's not just political governance, it's also corporate governance and governance of society that we need to do in a good way in order to have the good society that we're looking for.
1: Wow okay i i really I, i really i'm i'm learning a lot i'm i'm learning a lot from this conversation and i think uh uh our listeners are also going to learn a great deal um though i know we have to round off very soon and i have one question to ask you sir um however comfortable you are with answering this question i would appreciate however comfortable you are with the current administration that we have in place, on your own personal view or opinion, what are your expectations? Because we've, we've talked about the federal government. And you've also mentioned how business has to be involved. And even us as individuals in ending this monster that is called corruption. But let's look at it from the federal level, from this new administration. What are your expectations? with regards to transparency,
2: accountability, and also upholding the rule of law. Okay, let me me start with the former, former administration. Yes. They came in all guns blazing, we'll fight corruption, we'll do this, we'll do that. Expectation was so high and we were all let down so badly. In fact, it, it, it let me not even go there because <laughs> it, it was just such it was just such an anticlimax that particular administration. So, what's my expectation of this one? Zero, uh. zero. I've come not expecting transparency, not expecting trans accountability, not expecting upholding the rule of law, but instead determining that we must engage them to ensure transparency. We must engage them to ensure accountability and we must do the same to ensure the rule of law. That we should not, our ah, mumu don't finish. We should not <laughs> leave it to any administration anymore to fight corruption. If we don't do it, they won't do it. That's the bottom line. If we don't do it, they won't do I it. See. Well, we better do it. Wow. Mm. So,
1: you, I you know, <laughs> so I just I don't know when you might have another public um engagement or anything, but you would have a recording of this episode. That line that you gave, if you just want to end it with it and just do like a mic drop and leave.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can say that it. again.
1: So mm.
0: I want to ask the last question I will ask for today uh, before we close out this episode is what is the Nigeria of your dream?
2: Ah, The Nigeria of my dream is one in which for education it's actually better for you to stay home than travel abroad. For healthcare it's actually better for you to stay home than to travel abroad for looking for opportunities when when you want to enter the job market. It's actually better for you to stay at home than to go abroad. Nigeria of my dreams is one in which nobody actually cares where you're from, what, what gender you are. Nobody cares. People will judge you by the content of what you can deliver, by what you can contribute, to society, that 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 really is the Nigeria of my dreams, where things work and they can work. But we have to stop those who are putting all sorts of cogs in the wheel for private profits and personal gain. We've got to stop them in order to get the Nigeria of our dreams. Thanks.
0: Me, hey, let's do our wow now.
2: <laughs>
1: actually yes it is a combined wow <laughs> moment
0: as the gen z or me generation I say Wah-woo. a wow a wow moment
1: <laughs> you okay, are not gen z now don't don't come and, hey see don't i can gen
0: decide z. i i
1: can decide which generation i belong to we that were in gen z we know ourselves <laughs>
0: But I really, really enjoyed this episode. And I'm sure people who listened in will say that this episode was very different from the other ones. And it's nice to hear from someone who has actually been in that space, who is a practitioner. Um, it's many times when we ha- when you hear podcasts about Nigerian government or politics, what you hear is mainly people who are just theorists. But today's episode, I'm sure you can agree with that, that this is a practical thing and it kind of gives hope that not all is lost in this country it does It
1: it's does give beautiful hope. to see it's beautiful hope to hope. see that we have so, people who who are working and active not just working actively working and making changes in their own spaces and bringing about positive results that are even recognized on the okay. world scene so yes
0: yes yes so with that, guys, we want to say thank you very much. First of all, I want to say thank you to our honourable guest for being here and spending a long time to actually speak to us and to you guys. So thank you so much, Mr. Soji Pampa. Um, we thank really do appreciate it. And to our lovely guests who have listened in, yes, please don't forget to follow let Talk Niger Politics on all your favourite podcast channels and also follow us on social media. let um, thank you. Um, all, all follow us on social media that Accurate Insights. So, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, even now we're on thread. So, follow us on all channels. And I'm definitely sure this will be the last time we are having something to do with Mr. Soja Pampa. So, thank you so much, guys. Have a lovely day. Bye, guys. Thank, thank you so much.